This life-changing message comes to you from Church of the Harvest. It's our prayer that this message will inspire your life and bring hope to your future. Jesus is king. That never changes, no matter what's going on around you. He's still king of kings and lord of lords. As we were having prayer at 845, which we'll have that again this next Sunday back there, uh, Michael Guyton was actually praying. He's like, man, I just keep getting tongues of fire. And so I just pulled out and did a quick Google. And yeah, today's the day on the Christian calendar that the day of Pentecost is observed. And I said, well, wait a minute, because last May 31st, I got a call the day before from Pastor Rob and asking me to preach, and that was the same day of Pentecost also. So I don't know, God's just trying to tell me something or what, but, <laughs> but it's going to be good. Just like Zach shared, you know, the Holy Spirit, the main purpose to receive the Holy Spirit is to be a witness for God. Amen. Amen. It's about winning the nations for Jesus. That's what it's about. That's the main sole purpose. So when I received the Holy Spirit, October 8th, 1998, and for those of y'all who remember, that was a Thursday. <laughs> That's what happened to me. God gave me boldness to start presenting and sharing the gospel with people. And so I'm going to talk more about it as we go, but... Let's get into this, because Rob asked me, Pastor Rob asked me, just to continue where he left off. So we're going to be in Matthew chapter 6, okay? And we're actually going to make it through 18 verses today. Before we do that, let's talk about the vision of harvest. What's the vision? To make, grow, and equip followers of Jesus to fulfill their God-given purpose in life. How do we do that? We accomplish that through community, discipleship, and outreach. All right. So kind of recapping from two years ago, two weeks ago, we actually had Michael Turner in last week, and so kind of touch on a little bit what Pastor Rob talked about two weeks ago. Um, remember he talked about being carnal, right, and being spiritual. Uh, one point he brought up was that God actually wants us to grow as his children, right? He doesn't want us to be on milk our whole life. If my 20-year-old son Silas was still sucking a bottle today, something would be bad wrong, wouldn't it? <laughs> That's the same way it is with God's kids. He wants us to grow to maturity and spiritual to be able to, to make disciples. He wants us to be that mature disciple and in turn to make disciples. Uh, another point he brought up was people who are out of fellowship with the Lord cannot grow, but if you are in fellowship with the Lord, you will grow. And that's the whole point. Your relationship of your child of God, it never changes. You cannot get any closer in relationship. He's your heavenly father and you're his child. Nothing can separate that. But the fellowship that you have with him, that's what changes. That's what you get deeper and go deeper into. Um, he also talked about rewards. We should desire rewards from our father. How do we receive the rewards? By being fellow workers with God. Okay. In other words... Jesus, whatever you want me to do, I'll do it. Whatever you want me to say, I'll say it. Wherever you want me to go, I'll go. Um, that's how we become fellow workers. We yield to him. Um, he also talked about that every work will be tested by fire. The works that survive that fire, we will receive as a reward for 
Also, all the wood, hay, and stubble, in other words, everything I've done on my own, it's going to be burned up, okay? The silver, the gold, that's what's purified by the fire. That's what's still standing by the fire. Um, and so all of our works that we do is going to be tested by fire. Um, he also talked about some people will have everything consumed by the fire, and they're going to suffer great loss, yet they themselves will be like one of the ones being rescued from a burning house. Y'all ever been on anything that was in fire? <laughs> Silas, raise his hand. Yeah, these two guys over here. So the last, the last weekend of deer season this year. It's the day I'll never forget. Silas and I had a, I had a 1994 Mazda four-wheel drive. And um, so we got up early that morning. We drive down to my parents' land, which is 32 acres. It's only six, about six miles from the house. So we get out, undo the gate. I pull through the gate. I get out to fasten the gate, and I smell, smell fire. And the thieves are with us down there, too. And uh, so I smell smoke, and I'm like, what in the world? I look in my, at my, the temperature gauge, and it's normal. I'm like, well, it's not that. So I pop the hood, and I look down, and I see flames on the exhaust manifold, Okay. Now, there's nothing on the exhaust manifold to bolt. It, it burn. It just gets hot, right? So I'm thinking inside my head while I'm running and grabbing one of my hunting vests to slide up under my vehicle to begin to slap the flames out. What's going on here? And so by that time, I get that fire out. It's already spread up the, the sidewall of my vehicle. So I get out, and my dad, he's got the, we've got gravel and sand, but it's packed so hard you can't kick it up or anything. And uh, so by this time, it's just, it's on. And uh, so I call 911. We're in cold water, so they send the fire truck from Independence. Silas, we grabbed all the guns, most, all the orange vests, most of the bullets. And, uh, <laughs> and so, so we're, you know, we're waiting on the fire truck. I think three bullets went off total. Um, and, uh, and so the fire department shows up in their, their tanker truck, right? And I'm talking to the guy. And the only thing I could think of going back through my mind as I was smacking out that fire, it was some grass had been built up on there. One of my, we keep it bush hog down there, okay? The thing about my Mazda, I only drove it on the weekends, okay? It set off on the right side of our gravel drive, not up in front of the garage. So I'm thinking to myself, man, it had to be a rodent that put its nest on top of that, right? We're just doing pest control for a living. It's kind of embarrassing, but. <laughs> so, so anyway, the uh, fire department gets there, and they I have three quarters of the tank of gas in it, right? And so they finally get to the gas tank, and they can't get it out. And I'm talking to the chief there, and he's like, well, we're going to have to go get the, the foam truck. I said, really, what's that for? He said, we'll use it for automobile fires. I think, well, I don't know why you didn't quite leave with that, but anyway. So anyway... There's a reason you have all your vehicles fully insured. Number one, if you have teenage drivers, okay? <laughs> but another reason is if your vehicle was to ever catch fire, hey, guess what? I'm covered, fully covered, right? So thank God we're, we were fully covered. But, you know, I said, you know what? It took them about 50 minutes to do all that. I said, we're still going to the woods. I don't care. This is the last weekend. We're going. Now, as we take off, as we get away, I'm like, man, I'm smelling like, like burnt gasoline, right? That's the same way it's going to be for some people in heaven when all the rewards are burned up because they really didn't do anything for Jesus. They're still saved, 
by its price, but they're still going to be smelling like smoke. I don't want to be in that boat. So, let's get into it. Um, Really, we're going to talk about the spiritual practices for followers of Jesus. So, if you're a follower of Jesus, we should be doing these things today, okay? Now, I got a lot to cover, and I got a lot of time to do it, all right? I don't have to be like, I went, some friends and I went up to a conference in in St. Louis, okay? We went to a Buffalo Wild Wings, and... First thing, we order sweet tea, and they're like, what? What's sweet tea? And so, anyway, as we're telling the lady what we would like, she's like, man, y'all talk slow. And I said, okay. She said, do y'all need me to talk slower, too? I said, no. I said, we can listen faster, okay? <laughs> so, so, you don't have to listen fast today, because we've got plenty of time to get into this. All right. So... Point number one I want to make is followers of Jesus should be givers. In Matthew 6, 1 through 4, it says, Take heed that you do not do your charitable deeds before men. Now, that word charitable deeds can also be translated righteous deeds. Okay? So it's not just talking about money. It's talking about our righteous deeds before men to be seen by them. Otherwise, you have no reward from your Father in heaven. Therefore... When you do a charitable deed, do not sound a trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets that they may have glory from men. As surely I say to you, they have their reward. So the main thing I want you to get out of that part is we're supposed to be givers, okay? First point on that is God is a giver. Okay. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whosoever believed in him would not perish but have everlasting life. Everybody knows that, right? John 3:16. You think back to the garden of Eden when God created Adam. What did he give him to live? His breath. He gave him his breath. When we leave this earth, the last thing you give back to God is that breath. That last one. God is a giver. And he's called us to be givers too. And that's my second point on this. That, that he has called us to be givers. Um, and like I said, it's not just about money. Okay? A lot of people talk about money, but it's not only about that. Should God be Lord of our finances? Absolutely. 100%. And we should be givers. Um, You'll hear me saying one of my favorite scriptures a lot, okay? Because I have a lot of favorite scriptures. Just like God has a lot of favorite kids. I'm one of his favorite. You're one of his favorite if you're one of his children, right? So this scripture, Matthew 10, 7, and 8, I actually share a quick story about this scripture. On my, when April and I got married, this was actually the scripture on my groom's, groom's cake. And so I had a lot of people walking by. I had it. Made like a Bible with it open to this and these scriptures on there. A lot of people, they were reading this. It says, as you go, preach, saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. Now, a lot of people didn't want to eat that cake for some reason. 
okay? Mine was the last one to be finished off. But it's about giving freely. Well, what have you received? Well, I received salvation. I received freedom. I received healing. Whatever it is that you receive, that's what you're freely given, okay? Finances. You may have a brother or sister in need, and God tells you to give them a certain amount. It's not your money. <laughs> it's all his anyway. My house is not my house. My house is God's house. Yeah. I had a guy that was hitting some hard times. He needed a place to stay. And April and I opened up our home to the guy. And he said, man, I don't know how I ever repay you. I said, brother, that ain't my house. It's God's house. Okay? Because God's given it to me, and I freely give as people have need. A quick testimony on that. Um, I love Acts chapter 3. Right after Acts chapter 2, day of Pentecost, Acts chapter 3, Peter and John's walking. It gave beautiful. There's a lame guy laying there. And it's, the Bible says that he looked as if to receive something from Peter and John. What'd they say? Silver and gold I don't have, but what I do have I give to you in the name of Jesus. Rise and walk. The Bible says they took him by the hand, lifted him, and immediately he could walk. Okay, just another example of freely giving. I was uh, talking about being baptized in the Holy Spirit October 8, 1998, Pensacola, Florida. Um, one of the nights after, after the service down there, a friend of mine went to the beach. Some of y'all have heard this story before, but it's really good. Went to the beach, and we're just looking for somebody to share the gospel with. And we come up, and there's a, there's a drunk guy laying on the beach. And the Holy Spirit says, don't you go over there and pray for that guy. And I said, he's drunk. <laughs> he's drunk, God. And he said, don't you go over there and rebuke the alcohol in his blood and command to leave in Jesus' name. I said, okay, I've never heard about anybody doing this, but God, you tell me to do it, I'm going to go do it. So me and my friend went over. I said, hey, buddy, you mind if we pray for you? And he didn't say no. <laughs> so we put our hands on him. We start commanding the alcohol to leave his bloodstream, to leave his body. Well, in about five minutes, the guy's sober. And he's looking at me like, what did y'all just do to me? I said, man, it wasn't me. That's God. We share the gospel with the guy. He surrenders his life to Jesus. We lay hands on him. We say, look, we're believing God's going to fill you with his Holy Spirit. And God did. And he was drunk again. But this time, he wasn't drunk on wine or alcohol. He was drunk on the Holy Spirit of God. And so he's staggering around there and he's like, man, wherever y'all are from, I want to go there. And I said, well, buddy, we're from just south of Memphis, Tennessee. This is Pensacola, Florida. I don't think he won't really go. He said, no, I can't go. And uh, so we began to tell him about the church. And uh, he said, you know what? Two, two years ago, I went to that church. And there were some people that just rubbed me the wrong way and been back since. And I said, well, I think now that your life changed, if you go back, you'll find they've changed as well. Because a lot of times, it's us who get offended, right? And he said, because of what y'all have done today, he said, I'll go back. 
So I believe in the guys serving God still today. I'll see him again one day in heaven. So again, it says we freely receive. We freely give. Um, Number two, followers of Jesus should be people of prayer. Matthew 6, 5 through 8. It says, and when you pray, it doesn't say if, does it? It says, and when you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the corners of the streets that they may be seen by men. And surely I say to you that they have their reward. But you, when you pray, go into your inner room, and when you have shut the door, pray to the Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. So when you pray, again, Jesus had a life of prayer. How many of you know Jesus isn't going to ask us to do anything that he hadn't already done? Amen. I found this really cool because I've never seen this before as many times I've read Luke chapter 3. Luke chapter 3 verses 21 through 22 in the New King James. Um, it says, when all the people were baptized, it came to pass that Jesus also was baptized. And while he prayed, the heaven was open and the Holy Spirit dis- descended in bodily form like a dove upon him. And a voice came from heaven which said, You are my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. And when he prayed, look at it in the Passion Translation. One day Jesus came to be baptized along with all the others. And when he was consumed with the spirit of prayer, the heavenly realm ripped open above him. When he was consumed with the spirit of prayer. Now, there are several other instances in the Gospels where Jesus went alone to to pray, okay? This is just one of them. But he did it regularly. And so he's called us also to be in prayer. Uh, Matter of fact, he prayed in public. He prayed before meals. He, before important decisions, before he called the 12, he said he prayed all night. Before healings, after healings, and he prayed to do the will of God, to do the will of the Father. So God has called us to be people of prayer. Ephesians 6, 10 through 18, talking about the armor of God. It says, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Put on the whole of our God, she may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of darkness this age, against spirits of hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand, stand therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace, above all, Taking the shield of faith, which you are to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. And take the helmet of salvation, sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Praying sometimes, always, with all prayer and supplication in the spirit. Being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for the saints. So praying always with all prayer and supplication. 
So I would say, according to that scripture, where it lists the full armor of God, if you're not praying, then you don't have the full armor of God on. Is that fair? It's listed right there. And that's what holds it all together is our praying. What are we praying for? Well, it says we're praying for other believers, right? We're praying for those around us. If we have lost friends or family members, we're praying for them, okay? We're doing spiritual warfare against the enemy. Jesus said, how can you bind a strong, how can you plunder a strong man's house unless you first bind the strong man? So we're doing spiritual warfare with our prayers. We're seeing people come into, into the kingdom. Jesus told the disciples, I want you to pray for the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers. And they did. And he said, okay, now I want you to go out into the harvest and do it, right? What's my point? My point is that we have to be people of prayer. There's not a, there's not a set schedule. Some people I know, um, time with God alone, right? Some people like to do it when they first get up. Some people have kids at their house that are so loud they can't do it when they first get up, right? You've got to meet your family's needs. Maybe you need to get up a little longer. Or maybe after the kids are gone, that's when you have your time with God. I don't know. I know that God meets us exactly where we're at. Okay? With me, I get up in the morning. The first thing I do is say, good morning, Lord. Good morning, Holy Ghost. It's a bad day for the devil today. <laughs> we have a big sign in our great room that says, a bad day for the devil. Okay? I just want to picture him when I wake up in the morning saying, oh my goodness, what's going to happen today? <laughs> He's awake again. And that's the way it is for y'all, right? If Jesus went about doing good and destroying all the works of the devil, that's what we should be doing. Jesus taught us how to pray. In Matthew 6, 9 through 13, the Lord's Prayer Everybody knows this, right? Most everybody. In this manner, therefore, our Father taught him how to pray. The disciples asked him, he said, this is how you pray. Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Now, there's a lot in that. That's like a model, okay? Jesus didn't mean for you to just start reciting this word for word like tradition. That's not what he told him. He's covering, covering several areas in here. Hallowed be your name. What's it saying? That's saying that God's name is holy and powerful. At the name of Jesus, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that he is Lord. Okay? Either that can be today or that can be later, that could be tomorrow, or that'll be one day in heaven when everybody does it. But every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And thank God the Bible even says that he's taken his word and placed it above his name. How awesome is that? His answers are yes and amen. Everything in your Bible that are promises for you, God said, I put all that above my name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In other words, 
There is no lack. Disaster, sickness, or disease in heaven, is there? Did y'all hear about the tornado hit heaven last week? <laughs> I didn't. Why? Because it didn't happen. Right? His will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So there's no sickness in heaven. There's no lack. There's no disasters. There's no disease in heaven. I once had a guy arguing this. This is a YouTube video. I couldn't argue back with him. And he was talking about weddings. He said, well, there's no wedding in heaven, so God don't want marriages down here, right? What I would have told him is, what about the, the wedding supper of the Lamb? There's not going to be a wedding? Yes, there's going to be a wedding too in heaven, right? Between the bride of Christ and him. And you know, isn't it, isn't it interesting when I read that Matthew 10, 7 and 8, it didn't say pray for the sick. It said as you go, heal the sick. It doesn't say pray for the sick. It says heal the sick. Um, talking about tornadoes. A lot of people, you know, on their insurance, if stuff happens to your house, the insurance will list it acts of God. Right? It should be acts of the devil. It was a couple of years ago, we were at the house, and it was late at night. And it was one of those days when it was like 75 in February. And you're like, this is a good day for what to happen. Usually thunderstorms and all this stuff, right? And so sure enough, there's tornadoes spawning down like Sinatoba area. And it's heading northeast, like 60 miles an hour. And I'm looking out, and I'm like, it's going to be pretty close to my house. So I walk out on the front porch, and Tim Simpson's, you know, News Channel 3 is on there, and they're like, yeah, we spotted one, a funnel cloud, blah, blah, blah. It's right here, right there. I step out on the front porch, walk to the end of the porch. I said, in the name of Jesus, I speak to this tornado that's coming toward me. In Jesus' name, I command you to slow down. I command the winds to die down, and I speak peace to that storm in Jesus' name. Some of y'all looking at me like cow looking at a new gate, right? You're like, What? So I go back in the house, and as soon as I step back in the house, Tim Simpson's on News Channel 3. He's like, we just lost that tornado. Can't find it anywhere. That's right, because even in the name of Jesus, the tornado has to bow down. You can get on YouTube today. Don't do it now. Do it later. You put Philippines tornado, name of Jesus, and you will see, literally, you can see the tornado. Church in the Philippines is outside, and they're praying against it. You hear them praying in the Spirit. You see the tornado just gradually disappear. So a lot of times things happen. God says, my people perish for lack of knowledge about what we can do through him. Anything that Jesus did, Jesus said, we'll do the same works and even greater works. Nothing is impossible with him. So sicknesses, disaster, disease, it's all got to bow its name. Bow to the name of Jesus. Give us this day our daily bread. God provides both the physical and the spiritual. Okay? He t- the Bible talks about if he takes care of the sparrows, 
The sparrows don't look at each other when they get up in the morning and say, what are we going to eat today? I don't know. They just go out, and God provides it, right? The same way for us. He provides our physical needs. He provides our physical, our spiritual needs. But everything's already finished at the cross. It's called the finished work of the cross and the resurrection of him from the dead. So he provides all our needs. And you know it. He said daily needs. Why? Because he wants you focusing on that day. He don't want you worried about next week. He wants us focused on today. As a matter of fact, the Bible says don't worry about tomorrow because tomorrow is going to have its own cares, right? You focus on today and what God wants to do today. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. We'll talk about that more in just a couple minutes. And do not, be, do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. All right, the Bible says God doesn't tempt anybody. Okay? James 4, 7 says, Submit to God, resist the devil, and the devil will flee from you. The Bible says... There's no temptation that has seized you that is not uncommon to man and that God always provides a way out. It's like these two exit signs. On the, they're flashing. If you're looking for them, there's always a way out. If you're not looking for them, you won't see it. <laughs> but there's always a way out. Um, yesterday, we had the, the Thedes and, and Chris and Nadia and Matt and Ashley. We all went to Six Flags, Whitewater. And uh, we have season passes. I talked them into getting season passes, so now they go with us. Sometimes we go. So, whitewater—it's a water park, right? You think people dress real modest in water water parks? No, <laughs> a lot of temptations there, isn't it? But there's always a way out. See, God gave this thing. You, it's called your neck. You, you can turn your head. You can turn your head on it, right? <laughs> there's always a way out God's not tempting us but he always provides a way out if all we have to do is submit to him first right if we will see that his reward for us is so much greater than giving into that temptation that's revelation for you God's got so much good things when you say no to that sin he's just wanting to pour out on you to overcome it some people go around the same mountain Year after year after year, they're still struggling with the same thing. I don't want to go around and around. I want to go up, 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 right? That's what God wants us to do. More than conquerors through him because he loves us. Um, For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. That's the universal truth of the glory and majesty of our great God. He's the great I am. He's not the great I'm going to be, the great I was, or the great I maybe I one day I will be. He's the great I am. Followers of Jesus must be people who walk in forgiveness. Told you I was going to talk about forgiveness in a couple of minutes. Uh, Matthew 6, 14 through 15. says, for if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. 
So number one on this, you must choose to forgive. You got a choice. Like the Indiana Jones movie. Y'all remember the old night guy in there and they're showing up looking for the, the Holy Grail, right? And they want to drink out of the cup. He says, you must choose. But you got to choose wisely, right? Same way with forgiveness. We have to be the ones to choose to forgive somebody. God has called us not to give place to the devil. By choosing not to forgive, that's when we can give place to the devil. Ephesians 4, 27. Short scripture, right? Nor give place to the devil. That's the church of Ephesus that Paul's writing that to. Are they Christians at Ephesus? So does that mean a Christian can give place to the devil? Yeah. Or other words, Paul wouldn't have told them, don't give place to the devil, right? Hebrews 12, 15. Got it, Miss Kim? There you go. Looking carefully, lest anyone fall short of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up cause trouble, and by this many become defiled. Lest any root of bitterness springing up cause trouble, and by this many become defiled. Somebody say unforgiveness. Somebody say bitterness. Those are two of the tools the devil loves the most. He wants to keep you bitter. That way you can't get better. That's what he does. He loves that foothold. He loves defiling you because what you don't realize is when you think you're actually hurting the other person by not forgiving them, you're just hurting yourself. And the enemy will come to you and he'll twist thoughts and put them in your head that says, how can you forgive so-and-so after they did this to you? When God's saying, how can you not forgive so-and-so when I did this for you and died for you? i give you an example. And it's not like God's just sitting up in heaven saying, oh, my youngest brother Daniel's here saying, Daniel, you didn't forgive this person. I got it on my checklist right here. Sorry, I ain't forgiving you. Okay? That's not, not how it works. When you open up and you give place to the enemy through unforgiveness and bitterness, you're allowing that enemy to come in. God can't do anything about that because you're giving a room to the devil. It's your choice. So it was several years ago. I was, I was a youth pastor, and I had uh, one of the guys that was actually going to church with us develop throat cancer. And uh, everybody and their, their brother was going and praying for him. And, he, you know, was putting so much anointing oil on him, he was, he was shining. <laughs> but he wasn't getting healed. And so three of us one night just got pretty much tired of it. And we said, he only lives right over here by the church. Let's just go visit him. So we went to his house, and we said, man, we just want to pray for you. And we started praying, just interceding, saying, Lord, what in the world is going on? And the Holy Spirit gave one of us a word of, of knowledge that he had bitterness in his heart towards someone. And so they asked him, they said, do you have bitterness toward this guy, Carrie? And he said, yeah, yeah, I do. And we said, well, if you will forgive him, 
then you'll be healed just like that. And he kind of put his head down, then he looked back up at us and he said, I will never, never forgive Carrie. Three months later, he was dead. Because he gave place to the devil, right? God is a good God. Every good gift comes from above. He's always willing to heal. I've had things go in people's life, and I shake my head, and I say, I don't, I don't know what happened, God. But you never know what's in that person's heart. You never know what they're really going through. I'll tell you a situation. We were praying for this one person, and, man, we were just believing God was going to raise them up, and they died. And you're like, what in the world's going on? God's a healing God, right? Well, come to find out, a couple weeks before that, they had actually said they were ready to go. But when we're talking to them, they're saying, oh, yeah, I believe God. God's going to heal me. God's going to heal me, right? But they're just telling us that. What's in their heart is they're ready to go. So you don't know the whole, whole story every time of what, what's going on. I'll tell you another example. Jerry was telling me about one of the healing centers um, this happened. And I'd shared that testimony with a throat cancer guy before, and, and they actually had somebody who came to one of the healing centers that had throat cancer. And so the subject was brought up, do you have bitterness or unforgiveness towards somebody? Yes. But that guy was willing to forgive. And God healed him because he was willing to forgive. Because he's a good God. All right, number four, y'all are going to love this one. Followers of Jesus should be people of fasting. Fasting is not as many people as you can passing down the highway. <laughs> that actually means to go without food. Okay? Matthew 6, 16 through 18. Moreover, if you fast, no. When you fast, do not be like the hypocrites with a sad countenance, for they disfigure their faces that they may appear to be men to be fasting. As surely I say to you, they have their reward. But you, when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face so that you do not appear to be men to be fasting. But to your Father who is in, secret, in the secret place and your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. Did Jesus fast? Yes. That's my next point. Jesus did fast. Luke 4, 1 through 2. Then Jesus, being filled with the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, being tempted for 40 days by the devil. And in those days, he ate nothing. And afterward, when they had ended, he was hungry. I bet he was. 40 days is a long time. But what does fasting do for you? Does it get you closer to God? No. Does it get you closer in fellowship to God? Yes. Yes, it does. Next one. Jesus said his followers will fast. He actually said that. In Matthew 9, 14 through 15. Then the disciples of John came to him saying, Why do we and the Pharisees fast often, but your disciples do not fast? Okay, for those of y'all who don't know, the Pharisees and disciples of John usually fast about twice a week. 
So they, they're doing a lot of fasting. They don't see Jesus' disciples, so that's why they're asking this. And Jesus said to them, Can the friends of the bridegroom mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them? But the days will come when the bridegroom will be taken away from them, and then they will fast. So he's just talking about Peter, James, and John, right? No. <laughs> In Matthew 28, 18 through 20, the Great Commission, Jesus said, All authority has been given to me in heaven on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples, baptize in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teach them everything I have taught you. He taught them fast, right? That means us too. Did you know on the Day of Atonement, every Jewish person would fast that one day out of the year? The longest I have ever went, just water only, was 10 days. What? You didn't die after the third day? <laughs> no. You won't die after three days without food. I promise you. I was, uh, it was back when I was used pastor, and uh, we had a leadership meeting, and there was some things going on in the church, and we were going to fast for a week, and that's what we had all come into agreement with, but, but, that was on a Friday, and then the following week on that Sunday, I was supposed to preach that Sunday, and so I said, I was just praying, and God kept pressing on me to fast the whole 10 days, and um, so I did, and after the, the third day, it was a whole lot easier, okay? Um, if you drink Cokes or coffee, you're going to have caffeine withdrawals, and your head's going to be screaming at you, saying, give me caffeine, and give me something, Come day eight, I was, um, I'd seen a Dr. Pepper. I don't remember. I went to the store or something. I can't remember what I was doing. But I saw a Dr. Pepper. And my flesh says to me, just buy that Dr. Pepper. Open it. Just put a little in your mouth. I just want to taste it. You can spit it out. You don't have to swallow it. Your flesh has a voice. Okay? And I said, no, I've done went ten, nine, eight days, and I'm not going to mess up my fast now. No, you just got to suck it up. You're getting more water, right? So that tenth day, I got up to preach that day, and man, you could just sense the presence of God more clearly. I could hear God's voice more clearly. And I always preach for Jesus and against the devil. And there was actually people manifesting demonically in the crowd as I was just walking around. And so we would take them out, the freedom team, and, and they would minister freedom to them. That's what Jesus does. He sets people free. You know, Jesus told the disciples they were trying to cast the demon out of this this guy and they couldn't and they said Lord why can't we and they said well this kind only comes out with prayer and fasting right so he's called us to a life of, of fasting now if you're going to fast then you need to tell those people around you that you're fasting okay if you're married and you're a guy tell your wife 
So she doesn't fix dinner for you, and you come home, and you say, woman, I'm fasting. Don't you know that? No, because you never told her that, right? So the longest I've ever went without telling my wife was three days. How in the world did I do that? Because we got a busy house at my house, right? Everybody's at home. There's seven people in, seven people in my house. A lot of times I work late. I get home. They've already ate dinner and gone about their business. So there's three days there was, there was something going on with, with a person at, at church, and I just felt compelled to pray and fast for them. So I didn't say one word to anybody. I just did it, okay? But it's good to have people in your life that you can tell what's going on and say, hey, look, I'm going to be fasting this day, okay? I will tell you I fast one day out of the week, every week. I don't tell you what day it is. I even change it up sometimes. But there's other people in this place that fast that same day with me, okay? Why we do that? Because to beat the flesh down, to hear God's voice more clearly, to show my flesh. You know, Jesus said, if you're going to be my disciple, you must deny yourself, take up your cross daily, and follow me. So I'm just denying my flesh. Okay? I'm dressed in all black today. I was kind of hoping somebody would ask, you going to a funeral today? I was going to say, yes, mine. Because it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives on the inside of me. So you should be going to a funeral every day, your own, because you're dead, right? Dead people don't get offended. Dead people don't have attitudes, right? You could slap a dead person in the face. He going to have any reaction? No. <laughs> you like that, Michael Guyton? All right. So, yes, Jesus has called us to fasting. And, you know, talking about the unforgiveness and the bitterness... When I said that, some of y'all had that kind of jump up in your heart and saying, man, I've got that against this person. I would encourage you to let it go. Okay? Because that's bondage that the enemy wants to keep in your life. He wants to steal, kill, and destroy. The resume of God and the resume of the devil, it's all in one verse, one chapter, John 10, 10. Okay? It says, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but... I have come that you may have life and have it more abundantly. God generous, Satan selfish. Okay? God good, devil bad, right? God's got nothing but good stuff for us. So if you need freedom, like I mentioned, our freedom team, some of y'all look at me like, what in the world are you talking about freedom? Okay, let me give you this example. This will help you. When Lazarus had died... And Jesus goes up to the tomb. He says, roll away the stone. And he says, Lazarus, come forth. And Lazarus is rose to a new life. And he comes back to life and he steps out, right? Y'all know this? Okay. Jesus told those people around Lazarus, he said, because he was still bound in his old grave clothes. He was still bound up in the baggage that he was buried with. He told those people, you lose him. And you let him go. And that's what freedom ministry does. It helps you with those old grave clothes that you're still wearing in your new Christian life. It helps to see you set free and unbound from that stuff. That's what freedom is. That's what it'll do for you. All right. 
Number five, followers of Jesus must be aware that there are rewards. Pastor Rob talked about this two weeks ago, right? He talked about some of the rewards. So there's rewards from God and there's rewards from men. The number one on rewards from God is that God does see in secret. God sees everything anyway, but he sees what you do in secret. So you can't hide from him. So when he sees you in that prayer closet praying, when he sees you in secret fasting, when he sees you with that charitable deed that you've done or that righteous deed that you've done, he sees all that and he wants to reward you openly. Now that's like we're talking about the satyrs earlier, like blessing, blessing that uh, the waitress waiting on y'all. Jesus said, do everything in secret. So because we all applauded, does that mean they don't get a reward for that anymore? No, because the motive of your heart was not to receive a reward or applause of men, right? It's the motive of our hearts. Yeah, we lead people to Jesus. Hopefully we continue to do it every week, right? God adds to the church daily. I want to be a part of that. We say that and we're... We're blessing people by that. That's not our heart's motive to be seen. We want to see everybody else on fire and out leading people to Jesus. So it's the motive of our hearts that God's looking at why we did it. So the rewards for men. When we do our righteous deeds for the attention and applause of men, then the attention and applause of men is our reward. It is much better to receive a reward from your Father in heaven. So, if we're doing it to receive an applause, a little golf clap, you know, whatever it may be, then that's your reward. Okay? Number six, followers of Jesus should be about reality not image. We should be concerned about the reality of our spiritual life. In other words, what does my fellowship with God look like? Okay? To God. He's the number one audience. Okay? What everybody else thinks, it really doesn't matter anyway. It's what He wants. What He desires for us. That should be our spiritual concern. We should not be looking for the applause of men or have a spirit of self-congratulation. In other words, you shouldn't be patting yourself on the back and saying, man, Robert, you did great, brother. That's good. It's real good. No, that's not what God wants from us either. So I'm not looking for the praise of men or myself. I'm looking to hear the Lord say, well done, my good and faithful servant. So, I'll tell you another story. Um, I like telling stories. This guy shows me so much through them. I was driving down the road one day by myself, and and I was just singing praises to God, and I like to have fellowship with God during that time, and we have a lot of interesting conversations. And I'll ask him a question, he'll answer. Now, sometimes he may not answer me for like two weeks later. I've had that happen. I ask him a question. Two weeks later, he says, you remember that question you asked me 
I said, yeah. He gives me the answer right then, okay? Those of y'all don't know, I do pest control for a living, okay? So I spend some time driving, okay? That's my time with God. I spend my time, first thing in the morning, I have about a 35-minute drive to my office, and I'm just spending time. A lot of times I'm singing in the Spirit, praying in the Spirit, singing praises to God. Scripture confessions, that's my kids. We've got Scripture confessions on the mirrors they have to say every day. I know. What am I doing? I'm getting the Word of God in their life. So when the situations of life come, that's the first thing out of their mouth, is that I'm more than a conqueror through Him who loves me. Okay? So as I'm doing this, I'll just have conversations with God. So one day, the Lord asked me a question. He said, what's your heart's cry? And I said, what are you talking about? <laughs> Sometimes I have to ask God, what do you mean? What do you, can you break it down? Can you put it on the lower shelf so I can reach up there and get it for me? What are you talking about, God? What do you mean the heart's cry of my heart? He said, what's your heart's cry? When it's all said and done, your life is over, what, what's the cry of your heart right now? I said, well, Lord, my cry of my heart is, I just want to hear well done, my good and faithful servant. And so, if that's not your heart's cry, you can make it your heart's cry today. All you got to do is say, Lord, forgive me. Forgive me for I've missed it. Maybe you're not a person of prayer. Maybe you're not a person of fasting. Maybe you're not that, that giving person. But God's calls us to be. Every one of us to be. And you know, there's not one time that I've, I've done something for God or I've given something. When days go by, it's like, man, I wish I wouldn't have done that. <laughs> nope. I want to do it more. I want to do it more. When I get to heaven, I want to see a lot of people up there who I have had an influence on their lives coming to Jesus. Right? Because that's what it's all about in the end. It's how many people have we had an influence on? How many disciples are we making? So I'm going to invite the worship team to come back up. And I'm going to go ahead and invite the prayer partners to come up. Pastors and elders, y'all come on up. So during, worship, during this, this worship, I'm going to give you the opportunity to respond, okay? And there's really a couple of different groups of people I want to talk to, okay? First of all, we just talked about, if you're saying, Robert, I'm, I'm a, a man, a woman of prayer, I fast, man, I'm a giver. Awesome. Keep doing it. Keep pressing. Keep doing it, right? Maybe you're a person who's like, man, I just, I just don't have the desire or, or strive to, to be a person of prayer or of fasting or giving. If that's you, I'm going to invite you to come down and just tell one of these prayer partners. Just say, hey, man, will you pray for with me? Or two or three agree on earth is done, right? You're getting agreement in that prayer that God's going to change you and make you into that type of person. Okay? Second group of people is those people who don't know Jesus. I want everybody to know Jesus. I don't want to get to heaven and look around and say, man, what happened to so-and-so? Well, they're not up here. Well, why? Because they never received Jesus as their Lord and Savior. 
So I want you to do this. I want you to draw an imaginary horizontal line in your brain right now. As soon as I said that, you did. That's good. Now, on the right-hand side of that line, I want you to say, that's when I was born on this earth, okay? On the other end, that's where you say, that's where I'm at right now. So we're in the middle. Did you surrender your life to Jesus? In other words, where did change take place? Where did Jesus become Lord of your life? I'm not talking about walking down the aisle, saying a prayer, and get your get out of hell free card. Okay? Like I thought I had years ago, which I didn't even have that. When I was a, a, a teenager, I, young teenager, I came forward because some of my friends did. And I said a prayer, but I kept living my life the way I wanted to. Okay? I didn't do it. I was like, I'm just going to keep doing what I want to because I thought I had that get out of hell free card. One night I was at Mississippi State University in the dorm room by myself. God showed me, he said, that get out of hell free card you think you got, you ain't even got that because I'm not Lord of your life. So I got on my knees that night and I said, God, forgive me. Come into my life, change me. And he did, and he'll do the same for you. So if that line, you say, man, I, I don't know. I don't know where there has been change. Then when we start worshiping, I want you to come down and just take one of these prayer partners and just tell them, man, I want to give my life to Jesus today. The third group of people, just like Zach talked about earlier, we're talking about the Holy Spirit giving you boldness, being baptized with the Holy Spirit so we can share the good news of the gospel. If you have not received that, I'm going to invite you to come down and pray with one of these people. And we believe you'll receive it today. It'll change your life. It will change your life. So let's pray and then, then we'll get into worship here. So Father, we thank you, Lord, that your word is true. That you are not a liar, but your word is true. And Holy Spirit, I ask you right now, Lord, just to touch people's hearts. Lord, you change us as only you can. Lord, areas in people's lives, Lord, I thank you that you've been speaking to people today. And I ask you to continue to minister to them, Father. We just give you praise and glory for what you're doing today. In Jesus' name. If you'd like to get more information about resources from Church of the Harvest, please check out our website at midsouthharvest.org. You may also contact us by phone at 662-890-1573 or toll free at 866-383-8277.